Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Money, money, money. Dollar, dollar. Dollar, dollar. Ching, ching, bling, bling. Check the chatter. You ain't talking money, then you're talking no matter. Remind everyone that the IV Sports Podcast feed is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. Please be sure to subscribe to be notified of all new podcasts from the IV Network. We would also appreciate if you would rate and review this network. Finally, you can follow IV Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Facebook does have a premium membership that allows you to post without being approved by an admin. You can levy fines on other members, be commissioner for day for the for a day, receive free gambling picks from a man Allen, and much, much more. And with that, we're back with a backdoor cover PGA Championship preview. I am your host, Keith Fleming. With me, as always, is the gambling professor, Alan, a.k.a. Actively Lazy. What's going on, man? Not much, man. Nothing much. Watching my braids get smacked. But other than that, nothing much. (laughs) And I stumbled a little bit on that opening because I was about to say it was a two-off-the-tee podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because I have with me my co-host from the golf podcast that we did for almost a year, Scott Porter. Scott, what's going on, buddy? Good, man. Just, uh, you know, as as Alan said about the Braves, man, Soroka, <laughs> God, the mighty the Atlanta curse. That just cannot happen. I know this is a golf podcast and we're covering the PGA Championship. But, man, I am just sick to my stomach about the news about Soroka. That was that was Kevin uh, uh, Kevin Durant all over again with that Achilles. So he's young, Alan. He doesn't know anything about Atlanta pain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just getting started. <laughs> uh, so we've got all three of us on here. You know, normally when we do a backdoor cover episode, we cover several sports. We're going to try to do two this week, but with the first major championship of the season starting on Thursday, we're going to do just a PGA Championship preview. Let's start with. Um, You know, I remember each year that after the PGA Championship, or last year it was the Open Championship, that final major of the year, it felt like forever until Augusta rolled around the following April. And then this year, it literally has been a lifetime. It's been 13 months since Shane Lowry won the 2019 Open Championship. This is the longest stretch without a major championship since the 40s. And there's a thing called the world, uh, a world war going on back then. So I'm assuming that uh, that just kind of tells you the times we're in right now. Um, it, without, you know, because of COVID, basically, there is no open championship this year, which is a bummer. But they also changed up the order where the PGA Championship is going to go first. Then we're going to have the U.S. Open, I believe, in September. And then I know the Masters is going to be in November. But the PGA Championship is the first major of the season, starts uh, on Thursday. It's at Hardy Park in San Francisco. It is a public golf course, which is really cool. It is very rare for a public golf course that any Joe can go play to host a major. There's some big storylines coming in this. Uh, It's hard to believe it hasn't garnered more attention, but there's a guy named Brooks Kepka going for his third straight PGA Championship. Uh, Kepka had a really good year in the majors last year. He had a win, uh, top four in all four of the majors. His worst uh, finish was a fourth place. He was in contention last week up until 18. Thanks a lot for that, right, Alan? We had that winner. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure what happened on the 18th because uh, I was working. 
But um, I'm not a I'm not opposed to guys taking chances, man. If he felt like he needed to to try to make the shot with the water in play, I mean, I don't I don't understand exactly the situation. That's why I'm not being too too critical. I just know that um, on my app it said he was um, he was down a shot and he was going into the 18th, and then like two seconds later. I got the alert that Justin Thomas hit one, and I was like, "What?" I was like, "That's the quickest hole I ever seen in my life." And then you text me, and I was like, "Oh crap, he must have hit the water." And you was yep. like, "Yep." I was like, "Dang." So um, Brooks is a gamer, man. I love Brooks. I love his attitude. Um, I think he's good for golf, especially when he's playing at his best. So um, it, it's fine with me um, for him to be competitive and, and give him something to be even more motivated for this week. It's not fine with me because I well, picked him to not. win at 30 to <laughs> yeah. 1, and I had two plus 350 props already hit. So that would have been a really good Sunday. Thanks a lot, Kepka. Uh, it is interesting to note that he is the trying to become the third man ever to win three straight majors at the, the same major three years in a row. The last man to attempt this unsuccessfully, first Kepka. Last year at the U.S. Open, it, it's unbelievable the run he's on. He's won four out of the last ten majors. The field is the deepest field, obviously, this year. To date, they got 92 of the top 100 players in the world. The two There's two big names that are going to be fighting some serious rust. Uh, obviously, one of them is the goat man, you know, Keith Boy, uh, Tiger Woods. And if it wasn't for Adam Scott, who has not played – uh, since the tour, you know, obviously had to go on pause and has restarted. Tiger Woods has only played one event. He would probably be the person with the least recent form in the field if it wasn't for Adam Scott. But Tiger has played here before. He won a WGC event in 2009. He went, or excuse me, 2005. He went 5-0 and in the President's Cup in 2009. But I'm going to tell you, the course is going to play so much different than it has in um, any previous event here. Again, it's a public golf course. It held the 2015 match play, which Rory won, the 2009 President's Cup with the U.S. won, and the 2005 WGC American Express that we just said Tiger won. It's typically a par 72 around 7,000 yards. They're going to play it from 7,200 to 7,400 yards at a par 70 uh, because I guess they're still upset about Brooks just destroying uh, the PGA venue two years ago. When you throw in the green redesign in 2014, which, uh, Alan, I'm sure you'll be tracking this, they went to bent greens. They were Poana. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then along with the cooler weather, it's going to be in the 60s to 70s each day. Uh, they are calling for some potentially substantial wins. It's really hard to look at players' past performances here, which, you know, that breaks my heart with Tiger having a win and a 5-0 record at a President's Cup. But it's not going to play uh, – I don't think it's really going to make a difference because, again, this is a totally different golf course. If you had to ask me of a comparable golf course, I would say that it's the Bay Hill because, uh, again, they get the winds. They have a lot of water, which, of course, does it well. The rough is usually you know, pretty long, and it's got some interesting greens. And then we always give the keys for success. This week, the four categories that they are saying is going to lead to the most successful players is strokes gain, tee to green, driving accuracy, par four scoring and scrambling, which we see over and over again, week after week. Scott, what is the, uh, what is kind of the storyline you're looking to the most coming into this PGA championship? I think it's just overall, man, who can get back into that major form 
the fastest. Like you said, it's been 13 months, the longest stretch without a major championship since World War II. Um, I think it's just, you know, we, we had a big event uh, last week. We had a, we've had a couple big events throughout the summer, um, and golf's really kind of back into full swing. But at the same time, major championship pressure is just absolutely different. Like, there's a different element, a different feel uh, when you go to tee it up, most of these guys have been on tour for so long. They don't really feel those those jitters, those nerves until they get in very big moments or on the first tee of a major championship. And I think it's just going to be about who can get to that next level, uh, really just focus and grind through that first day, figure out what the weather's doing, and then go from there. It's not a venue that hosts a lot of major championships, so there's not a lot of um, weight in that. Um, and, you know, I think the biggest is you have to look at Kepka. He's got a chance, again, his second chance in two years to win three straight of the same major. That doesn't happen but a few times. I mean, they went through it on Golf Channel. Me and you were sitting in the living room watching it earlier. I think that's happened five times in the last 40 years that somebody has had this opportunity. And Brooks is now on his second try for Consecutive it. Consecutive years. <laughs> and, and, and one other thing, um, you know, you, you talked about this golf course being a public golf course. Beth Page, where he won last year, was also a public golf course that you can go play. Um, it is expensive and you do have to wait in line. But it is a golf course that, that is the same way. If you are a golf fan, if you like to travel and go play, it's something that you can go out there and experience. So I think overall it's just great for golf to have a major championship back. And it's just going to be about who can grind the most and who can get back into that major championship form. And there's no one better than that than Brooks Koepka. Um So that's it's very clear why he's probably the favorite going into this week. Alan, what, like, are you looking for? Because I know this is a little different. You know, this is the first major of the year. Normally, it's always at Augusta where, you know, it's kind of easy for us to ease into gambling on majors because it's at the venue that it's always at the same place. We know the guys that play that course well. Typically, the season is a little bit more traditional where they're playing courses that set up for Augusta. In the weeks leading up, it's similar green, similar fairway, similar rough. Like, what are you looking for to get an edge this week? I'm looking for a miracle, man. <laughs> now I just wait. Um, I mean, it's just kind of what we talked about last week. You know, um, like gambling is a lot like the game itself um, of golf and and any sport that requires some form of like consistent form. Usually, when people go through slumps or or there's something a little off in your in your form, you go back to the basics. Like, what got you here? So in baseball, we we um when people go through slumps, they sometimes go all the way back to hitting the ball off the tee just to make sure you're making uh, good solid contact. Uh, I would assume golf has a similar uh, system. That if guys, if somebody's swing is off, they go back to the basics, um, maybe club down, figure some things out. So from a gambling standpoint this week, I'm going to go back to the basics. Um, anytime I, I hear wind conditions, I think ball striking. Um, I did look at the course a couple of days earlier than what I usually do just to kind of r- run through some options in my head. I do like Brooks form. I do like the the way the course lays out for somebody like Brooks. Um, I know Bryson will probably be a pretty popular pick amongst people as well, but I, I still don't think he has a competitive edge. And ultimately, you know, when we talk about guys returning to form, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for competitors, guys that just when it's all said and done, they don't really care how long they've been out. They don't have any excuse. They just want to win. They want to compete. They want to win. Um, Brooks is obviously one of those types of guys. He's a grinder. Um he shows it more than others do. 
Um, but I, I feel like, you know, looking at some of the early odds, uh, you can make a you can make a, a case that maybe Rory's still getting slightly uh, disrespected at, at being the second best odds at 14 to one. I mean, we haven't seen Rory over 10 to one in a long time until these last couple weeks. And, and I feel like this would be the the moment for him to return to form again, a, a very alpha type competitor. Uh, Tiger Woods obviously fits that mold, but he's got other variables going on with his health. But um, just like I said, if I'm just taking things at face level, I'm looking for competitors and guys that I know that when it's all said and done, they're going to grind no matter what the course brings. Do you think, though, that you have to take guys that hit it a long way this week? Because I really think this is one of those golf courses and I'm not saying you have to be like one of the top five or ten guys on tour and, and driving distance, but I do think that there's probably only about 20 or 30 guys in this field that have a really good chance of winning this tournament because, again, it's a par 70. It's going to be playing 7,200 to 7,400 yards. The rough's going to be really long. I just think you're going to have to hit it a certain distance off the tee in order to, to basically make this golf course easier. Yeah, um, looking at the the layout, distance will matter. But I saw a lot, um, and this was coming off of the um, the Harding Course like website when they were talking about it, as far as like how it's set up for like the PGA Tour. They were saying on on a lot of holes uh, on the descriptions I saw where they they would specifically say, "Hey, getting par here is just as good as getting a birdie." And, and when I hear things like that, sometimes it takes distance out of it. And you kind of want to focus on people that, you know, can be smart because, I mean, yeah, Bryson can hit it 400 yards. But is he really the guy you want to pick just because he can hit it far? Like, no, you, you kind of want to mix it up a little. Uh, I typically prefer uh, precision over power. Um, I try to find a balance, but ultimately I want people who are going to be uh, uh, with the greens and regulation and in a position where they can actually score rather than somebody who, who might drive it far off the tee. But if you can't do anything after you get it 70, 80, 100, 150, 200 yards from the green, then you're really no good to me because this golf ultimately at this level is not about how far you can drive. It. It's about scoring. All right, let's go through the betting odds in groups and, and let's just kind of figure out who we would like in this group. So as you just said, you got Brooks Kepka and Justin Thompson or Justin Thompson, Justin Thomas at 10 to one. They are the two betting favorites. That is no surprise. Kepka has won the last two PGAs and four out of the last 10. So, you know, it was the main reason I told you Alan last week, I was taking them. You're getting 30 to one odds on a guy that I knew wanted to be rounding into form. He obviously finished second last week. Justin Thomas won last week. Justin Thomas also has a major. You have John Rahm, who was number one in the world for, uh, you know, maybe a, a Godfather movie. He's at 14 to one. You have Rory McIlroy at 14 to one, which I absolutely agree with you. I'm shocked that he is the second betting favorite at a venue that he's won before uh, a match play. And again, Bay Hill is a course that I think is very comparable to this. Rory has a tremendous record at Bay Hill, including a win. And then you have Bryson DeChambeau at 16 to 1. Scott, which of those guys would you take? Oh, man. I feel most confident, I should say. I mean, I really think that with Rory and, you know, Rory wants to win another major. 
and I think sometimes he just presses a little bit too hard. Like you said with Bay Hill and, and his track record on water courses with some wind, he's a ball striker from England. He was, you know, he was raised having to hit these golf shots, and, and it's very similar to what he's going to see or what he used to see back there. And in Florida, he kills the Florida swing. So out of those, if you're giving me one to pick and I can't pick Kepka, probably Rory. What about you, Alan? Yeah, I mean, I was – Thinking um, when you were going through your course description earlier, it just sounds like something that a European player would probably excel in. And I mean, I, I've never been a big fan of Rory, um, but I'm, I'm not a, opposed to, you know, admitting that, yeah, this is probably the one course of the situation where if I'm looking at it from from just the, the paper standpoint, that he probably um, would be suited to, to make a run. And I like Brooks. I love Brooks. I'm on record. You guys know since probably the first time I got on a podcast with you. I love Brooks. <laughs> um, but at 10 to 1, again, at 10 to 1, you just I, I need to see wins prior to this. It hasn't been his best season. I, I just I'd rather take him in a prop when the odds are this low and put my money on uh, somebody like Rory, uh, given the current form of this year. Now, if Brooks does win, he's got the history. <laughs> <laughs> and he's trending up, okay? So I'm not advising you not to bet him. I'm just saying, me personally, with with the current bankroll I got since I've been losing left and right, I'm probably going to go with Rory and, and roll the dice on that. But I think, honestly, between Brooks, Justin, and Rory, you, you really can't make a wrong pick. Um, there's no angle where you could really tell somebody that they're crazy for taking any of those three this week. Yeah, I— I think Brooks and JT are probably the answer if they were all the same odds. But again, at 10 to 1, I mean, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast in recent months. I just don't think it's worth it unless you just, like, I mean, are really positive that a guy is going to win and you obviously need to bet a little bit more than you normally would on your winner at 10 to 1, or otherwise you're not making that big of a profit. So I do think Rory at 14 to 1 is the right pick there. I, I think it's also interesting. Neither one of us mentioned Rom or DeChambeau. DeChambeau has yet to have a top 10 in a major. We talked about what was it last week, Alan, that look, it, it's no disrespect to DeChambeau. He's won six times. That, that's nothing to shake a stick at, but he hasn't won any deep fields. He hasn't won anywhere where you've had the best field in the world. And the majors are the best fields in the world, and he doesn't even have a top 10. And then I don't think John Rahm has the temperament for this course. Uh, as you said, I think it was just last week also, one bad hole. and I mean, it literally the tournament could be over for Rahm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you have to really consider that. Um, like, with, with Bryson's a little bit of a hit case, too. Uh, the last couple um, fields where there's, there's been, like, A-plus caliber uh, golfers alongside him it hasn't looked well for him and uh yeah rom is <laughs> rom is such a head case still at times and, and this course will challenge uh guys and and you have to consider that too i mean again i'm gonna be totally shocked if, if rom was in contention but i would be somewhat surprised if he actually uh was able to pull it off and win so the next group of guys is i mean the next two groups i'm gonna go over to me this is your bread and butter I think this is where most people should be taking their shots on winners. You're getting better odds, so you you know could even take two of those guys instead of one of those favorites that are 16 to one or better. Not including Dustin Johnson at 20 to one. We're not going to talk about him. <laughs> uh, but your boy Xander is at 20 to one. Allen, 
if it was not for Brooks Kepka, Xander Shoffley has been the most successful man in the majors, granted without a win in the last two years. So Xander's right there. Patrick Cantley at 28 to one. He has a great track record uh, at, you know, the Memorial, which is another course that I heard could be a somewhat comparable. He's actually done decent at Bay Hill as well. I love Webb Simpson at 28 to one. I mean, he just checks off all those things. Good at scrambling, good shot screen, tee to green, good at uh, par four scoring. I mean, and he's playing great this year. Unfortunately, my man Tiger Woods is at 33 to one. And anybody who's ever listened to a podcast with me on it, talking golf knows it pains me to fade him this week, but I, I just, he doesn't have the reps. And as Scott has said <laughs> since the days of our two off the tee podcast, he had that sweater on yesterday. He had a sweater on today. That's a fade for me. Uh, Colin Morikawa is at 35 to one. I really like his odds. Uh, and then you got Daniel Berger, Jason Day, Hideki Matsuyama, and Ricky Fowler all at 40 to one. Alan, is there any of those guys that really stand out to you? Um, I feel like I got to go back to Xander at some point, but no, nah, I mean, it does pay me that he hasn't won one yet. Um, and he didn't do too awful, uh, last week. I've been high on Patrick Canley since he came back, but he hasn't really shown me anything either. Uh, I would say, you got to consider Morikawa a little for the fact that his his precision with his approach shots is still pretty uh pretty good. His consistency uh, too. Yeah, yeah, and you you got to think at some point he's gonna he's gonna break through. Uh, when when you when you play that good from from a short game standpoint, you're bound to break through. Um, Burger, I love Burger. Just not really at this value. I feel like it should be a little bit higher. I'm never gonna say I'm with Ricky Fowler. So, um, <laughs> I guess if I'm looking from a value standpoint, Hideki kind of checks the boxes for me. Um, on, on this course, it's probably not going to be a popular play, but, um, the thing about Hideki, he's, I don't want to stereotype, um, the Asian golfers, but a lot of the Asian golfers, you can tell literally from the first round, if they're going to be worth anything for that tournament, and and it's always the putter. If they're if they're hitting their putts with that first round, you're good to go. But if they come out and they they maybe go like two uh, two over, or or it's like a lot of like short putts that they're missing, it doesn't seem like they ever really bounce back. So I'm I'm going to side with Hideki right here. Just just call it a hunch. Um, I, I think he's a little bit um, undervalued. In this particular situation, Scott, any of those guys stick out to you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I love my guy Xander. Um, I really think he's gonna break through. I just don't know when that's gonna be. <laughs> yeah, um, too. I mean, he's definitely gonna he's gonna win majors. I, I he's gonna win at least one. He's gonna I, I think he's gonna win more. Um, but from that group of guys, I'm gonna look at the one that has consistently played. Um, as well as he's played throughout his career, and that's Daniel Berger during the start back. Um, Daniel Berger has has fixed a lot of things in his golf swing where he can now play these venues. He has plenty of length. It's a very repeatable golf swing. So the thing about him is if he gets off to a hot start. If he gets off to a hot start, he's a grinder, and he will stay, stay in contention on the weekend. Um, so if you're picking out of those groups, if I'm not going to pick Xander, 
I really want to pick Xander. I just don't. I'm I'm gonna keep saying this on every podcast that we do, and then eventually he's gonna win, and I'll be like, yeah, I knew. But I, if I'm gonna pick one out of that group, I'm going Daniel Berger. He's just uh, been been the most consistent one out of that group, in my opinion. So Alan, I know you're gonna hate me for saying this, but nobody's mentioned Jason Day at forty to one. He's actually been playing really well lately. Again. Uh, he has made some swing changes. If you're going to go Jason Day, you might as well go DJ, too. They're the <laughs> same golfer right now. They really are. Like, at least DJ's got a win recently. Like, Day I, I actually would nothing. argue that Day's form's been better than – like, DJ had it for four <laughs> days. Day's actually had a top 20 and five out of his six starts since they got, uh, came back. All right. And uh, and Day didn't go 80-80. Yeah, that's <laughs> also fair. Uh, that's true. I just and the other thing is bent greens, good putters can get really hot on bent greens because they're the truest greens, they're the easiest to read. Jason Day is still one of the greatest putters in the world. I'm just saying at forty to one, I, I actually do like Jason Day this week. If you don't want to pick him to win, which I understand, I do like him as a top ten play as well. So this next group, in my opinion, I actually think this is probably like going to be the winner coming out of this group, which I know sounds crazy, but I love these guys. You got Patrick Reed at 45 to one, Matthew Fitzpatrick at 45 to one, Tommy Fleetwood at 45 to one, Victor Hovland at 45 to one, Terrell Hatton at 50 to one, Gary Woodland at 50 to one. Who do you like out of there, Alan? Um, I've been so Woodland um like pro woodland for so long but honestly uh, i like hatton um just because i just feel like he he's gonna he's gonna break through at some point too um with the win in play uh we're talking about uh approach shots and scrambling and things like that not necessarily stuff that people really um would look at him on the grand scheme of things as being a player but at these odds and in this group I, I like him to be a player uh, in this tournament. I also think that even though he's a little bit like Rom in that he's a head case, he he seems to find a way to bounce back through. And uh, he's also very streaky too. And I feel like in a in a course where I keep seeing things like you you do good to get par here, a guy who can who can rack off some birdies uh, in a row could really kind of set the tone. Scott. I really like I like Hatton as well. Um, I mean, you're not even gonna mention Spieth at plus fifty five. We're gonna get to him next. <laughs> okay, okay, sorry. Who's I thought he was the same I'm just kidding. That was <laughs> really a joke. It was a joke. It was a joke. Um, <laughs> out of this group, man, I mean, Matthew Fitzpatrick is obviously a guy that we we think that ha- has all the talent in the world. Um, he's another one just kind of waiting to break through. Tony Finau, especially if you're talking about like top five top ten play and not maybe winning play um, but Tony Finau is always right there it's just he, you know he puts he puts the ball on the golf course farther than anyone not named Bryson and I think he's more consistent than Bryson off the tee so consistently has ball speeds up in that 200 yard range he's going to have much shorter clubs coming into this this long golf course from a par 70 standpoint um, so Tony Finau if if I was going to go with anybody out of that group and go against um, Hatton I think Hatton's probably the best play out of that group but since Alan already talked about him I'm going to say Finau just because he's you know he's Mr. Consistent just not Mr. Winner I don't I don't know what's up with that and I, I'm just going to say again because I, I want to show you how much I like all the guys so, to where I can see them you know doing well or winning at this event Patrick Reed is one of the best scramblers 
on the planet. That is one of the key stats. He's a great putter. Again, Bent Green's guys can get hot. You know, Matthew Fitzpatrick, again, if you go to the Bay Hills uh, comp, he's had a great track record there, great track record in WGCs, which, again, is a very strong field. And Tony Finau, what Scott was just talking about, and I, I just heard this today, he, within the last two months, has changed his golf swing. He had spent his entire career, because since he was 15 years old, he was getting that 200-mile-per-hour clubhead speed that Bryson DeChambeau has been so obsessed with. Not by trying to bulk up or swing as hard as he could, but just because that's how fucking hard he swings. And he has tried to control it and ramp it down. Well, he has seen all the stuff with DeChambeau change swing coaches and is like, all right, if that's my natural swing, that's how hard I'm going to go. I've heard that a lot of people believe not only will you see him constantly cracking the 200-mile-an-hour clubhead speed, but he will be the first player on tour to crack the 200 ball mile, uh, mile per hour speed off the club, which has never been done in an official PGA Tour event. Uh, and then again, Finau's track record. He had four top tens in the majors last year. He has a really good track record in him. I really like Victor Hovland. We know how well he's played in US AMs and other difficult uh, golf courses. We're talking about a ball striker's paradise here. He's one of the better ball strikers on tour. Leads the tour in proximity to the hole. And then Tommy Fleetwood, Hatton, and Woodland, all are guys that play very well and win. Great ball strikers. Obviously, Woodland's the only one with a major, but Hatton won at Bay Hill this year, which, again, is a comp. And Fleetwood is another one of those guys that I just truly believe is going to win a major in the next two years. I don't know which one it's going to be, but I think the more the wind blows, the better chance he has to win here. Yeah, I can't disagree with any no. of what you said. I mean, honestly, like I know people probably listen to the podcast and, and it's like they're saying a lot of things. I mean, these are all logical like explanations to, to the odds and, and how you play it. I, I think sometimes we get caught up on, on just being right, but it's so hard to be exactly right on a, on a golf tournament because, I mean, there's so many different angles. And, and just like the game itself, people see it differently and, and we all have different perspectives. So. Um, I, I think your analysis is very solid. So Scott kind of ruined it. Sorry. I was going to bring up, there was another big storyline heading into this. Jordan Spieth trying to create, or I mean, to complete the career Grand Slam. I didn't mean to, bro. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I mean, can yeah. like, have, has anybody heard that be discussed this week? Have no. you read anything about it? Any of the has, stories? No. Has, has Jordan Spieth, like, would you would anybody trust Jordan Spieth in a tree line course with the way he draws the ball? No, no, exactly. That's why we haven't heard anything. It's just sad though because he really is one of very few golfers to get in this position. They mention it with Rory at Augusta every year, even though that course doesn't really set up great for him. Uh, they mention it with Phil Mickelson, despite all the second places and you know miscuts he has at the U.S. Open. And then poor Jordan Spieth at 55 to 1. Scott, can you defend your boy Jordan Spieth this week? Man, I can try, but uh, gosh, I think we, I went on record the last podcast, which feels like forever ago, but I went on record the last time trying to defend Spieth. And, you know, it's just, he has just lost that 
that's he was the Kepka of 2015. He was the guy that was going to outgrind you at the majors. He was the guy that was going to put his foot down and make it happen, even though it's not the prettiest golf swing in the world. It's not the most consistent golf swing in the world. But we can't even say, like, he's that guy anymore. He's he's so lost right now and seems to be. And until he puts some, some tournaments together in a row with some better form, I'm not going to pick him at the hardest major to win for his type of game. I mean, he'll always be able to compete at Augusta as long as he's swinging it well. He'll always be able to compete at the British Open because he's creative. But at the PGA, with tight fairways, tight golf courses, long 7,400 yards, par 70, are you kidding me? Jordan Spieth does not have a chance. Book it, fade him, not a chance. He's my boy, still my boy, but not happening. So, And again, those odds are inflated. I do like a lot of the guys also in this group, though. Alan, I know you're going to kill me for bringing this up, but... Adam Scott's at 55 to 1. Adam Scott. And last time I saw Adam Scott play, he couldn't really putt, but I guess that changed. <laughs> well, he's never been. <laughs> I was about to say putt. that. Have you been watching the last 20 years, bro? <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know how I feel about guys that can't really putt, man. It's just so hard to pick them to win, man. But, I mean, I, again, I'm not counting. Him, yeah, he's I'm not. Top 10s in the last two PGAs. Both I'm of those counting, were similar venues. I'm not counting anybody out. I'm not going to say you're absolutely crazy unless you take Jason Day or DJ. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, yeah, my, I mean, Scott. Not my official picks. Yeah. So Scott's, what about Justin uh, Rose at six, uh, 60 to 1? Yeah, I was going to say Scott and Rose intrigue me. Rose always intrigues me on courses that are kind of long because I, I think he's not known as a, a bomber per se, I guess. But he, he's got the length in his in his swing that he can make courses like this manageable for him. And, um his putter hasn't been that consistent this year. That's what's really hurt him in tournaments where he's he's finished top 10, top 20, things like that. If, if he was hitting more putts consistently, um, he would probably be top three, top four. He would have had a little streak like Bryson where he was kind of in contention every single week. And uh, and the putts that he's, he's missing, which is the reason why I'm a little concerned, they're all makeable putts, man. They're all like, 10 footers and, and it just it just always veers left or right at the end like he's not reading it correctly but um between him and scott they're intriguing at 60 to 1 and 55 to 1 i mean these guys are are previous winners i mean scott adam scott before COVID hit man we were talking about him maybe even competing at the masters and, and i i mean you got him at 30 he was what 33 or 30 to 1 uh mm-hmm. right before COVID hit to win the masters Yep. And he hasn't played in a while. Now he's coming back at 55 to 1. I will say this. Don't be turned off by the idea of using him as a prop. Because I saw uh, Terrell Hatton come back his first tournament. I think he finished top 10. Uh, Patrick well, Hanley, his first tournament. I think he made a top 22. I mean, so don't be too turned off with the idea that, oh, this is his first tournament back. Like, a lot of these guys have still played some pretty decent golf. Well, and it's not like Adam Scott's been not swinging your golf club. Yeah. The dude has the prettiest golf swing on the planet for a reason. It's because he's one of the hardest working guys on tour. He's been in Australia. He's been grinding. He's been practicing. He's been playing. And a guy like that doesn't take a long time to get back in tournament ready for him because he's so consistent and his swing is so good. I actually think he's undervalued here. What is he, 55? Is it 55 to 1? I actually think he's undervalued for a past major champion. I think that's just inflated because we haven't seen him and we don't know what kind of form he is in. But I guarantee you he would not be coming, risking COVID, come to the States if he was didn't feel like he could play and compete in this event. So, you know, I, I think that – I think overall, I think with Adam Scott, you just have to look at history and, and trust that he's going to play well. He's going to make the cut. 
this is also a venue that you don't necessarily have to putt great right. to win. Because uh, if you notice, there was no putting stats leading to success other than obviously the scrambling, which you can, there's two ways to scramble. You can either chip well or you can putt well. But then there's a couple other guys that I really like in this range. And they're all, you know, European guys. I really like Shane Lowry at 70 to 1, Sergio Garcia at 70 to 5, or 75 to 1, and Louis Ustazen at 75 to 1, particularly if the wind really picks up. They're right now calling for medium winds, but, you know, I guess out in San Francisco with the water and the bay and everything, it's very possible to kick up and almost turn into a mini open championship. If you get those kind of conditions, I really like any of those three guys. What do you think about those guys, Alan? Yeah, um, I was going to say uh, Louis got a pretty good track record in the win. Shane does, too. Um, not too sure on Sergio, but um, guys who typically play a lot of the uh, European tour. I mean, you can look at Leishman as well at 80 to 1. Uh, those guys tend to have success when it's windy, so I wouldn't count them out at all. Um, I, I would even I think we talked about him at 45 to 1 Fitzpatrick. If windy conditions like are really going to be in play. Um, I mean, if you guys that do DFS, um, you might want to consider, you know, adjusting lineups uh, to having maybe a, a lineup that's set for guys who play particularly well when it's windy. Uh, let's go over some long shots. Um, Scott, do you have any guys that you like? And, you know, basically, let's go 80 to 1 or lower. 80 to 1 or lower, I got you. My guy, Matt Wallace, European guy. 42nd you. in the world. <laughs> I was going to pick him. But I'm telling you right now, Matt Wallace is sneaky good, especially in wind. And I'm sure Alan has a lot more to back this up. But uh, Matt Wallace is a guy that you look at and half of the United States uh, golf fans aren't going to know who he is, even though you have, you have to kind of watch the European tour to really know who he is. He's very very good he's a extremely consistent ball striker and i think that that if you're taking somebody out of this this bottom half of the field as far as their their odds he's somebody that you have to look at um i really really like louis also um he's at the top of the the long shots but um i just think that louis is another one of those guys where he just gets up for major championships and he doesn't make a lot of mistakes and if it if the wind does kick up and it becomes a very grindy hard type golf course some of the um the weaker the mentally weaker guys are going to fall louis is definitely not mentally weak but if i'm picking a long shot and i've already placed a bet on him so i don't know if you already (laughs) did that alan but i already did um i'm taking matt loss yeah um I love I love Wallace. Wallace actually checks a lot of boxes that um, Xander checks. So it's kind of funny that um, that you would like him, too, because we both like Xander. Um, honestly, Kevin Stroom is another name when it, when it's kind of windy that people don't really talk about. But he's had some pretty success, uh, pretty decent success and win. Um, there's a lot of guys out here in these really high long shot ranges that you could go with. But. Um, I'll just take a flyer. Eric Van Royen. I mean, I like the guy, man. I mean, yep. he's been pretty consistent, um, pretty consistent uh, score for me when it comes to props. Uh, he's at 160 to one right now. I mean, I've seen him put together some streaks. Uh, obviously, he comes from South Africa. He's not a, opposed to playing on in the windy conditions. Um, also, would think that he's played a lot of coastal 
uh, courses as well. So I'm sure he's never probably played at this course, but the variables that you're going to see on this course shouldn't be too unfamiliar to him. And he's going to go under the radar a little at 160 to one. So even consider uh, if you, if you get some good vibes on him, even consider putting him um, in some props. So I like all those picks. I really like Paul Casey at 90 to one. He's another guy that plays these kind of golf courses. Well, again, he doesn't have a major, most of his wins are backdoor, but this is the kind of major that I could see a guy going out early on Sunday that's, you know, four or five shots back, shooting three, four under, and then potentially winning the tournament if the wind really picks up over the weekend, which they're saying is supposed to be, I think, when the highest winds come in. I really like Danny Willett at 125 to 1. He won Augusta under similar conditions. He's been playing really well on the European Tour. Uh, and just honestly, this season in general, and this is, again, the kind of golf course that he normally eats for breakfast. You basically take everything that y'all said about Matt Wallace. That's Danny Willett with a major. Uh, and then the guy I really like, but his odds have gotten a little, I just don't know. Brandon Todd at 100 to 1. You probably could have got him for 130 or 140 to 1 last week. But two, both of his wins came on golf courses that were windy, fast, firm tracks with rough. Do you think that 100 to 1 he's worth a long shot, Alan, or has his odds dropped too much because of his performance last week? It's, it's hard to to take a guy that just can't. I mean, we've seen him in contention twice already, and he hasn't closed out yet. And this course is probably way harder, and the field's way stronger than the last couple times we've seen him. But, I mean, given the fact that he's been competitive, at 100 to 1, it's not I mean, sometimes guys do break through in the strangest situations like this, so I wouldn't I wouldn't call you crazy if you took a flyer on him. All right. Do you have some picks, Scott? Oh yeah, I, I came prepared. Alan, did you did you get some picks or have you done your capping? No, I haven't done my capping yet. You I just son did a, of a bitch. I done, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm doing every single sport. You don't understand baseball, basketball, WNBA. I mean it. I don't You're even not have to watch four wrestling shows a week. Come on, dude, give me a break. Yo, <laughs> hey, does this not feel like Christmas time for sports right now? Even with the weird venues and the no fans, though. Yeah, I mean, we're my head's spinning. He bro. can't sleep. We're he's, watching, he's up at four in the morning. We're watching sports from literally <laughs> noon to midnight. Yep. <laughs> it is awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, then, Alan, is there any guys that you know, or let's let's put it this way, you're, you're thinking about taking this week that you know right now? Yeah, so I do. If I do my tiers, uh, Roy's probably gonna be my tier one. Um, I mean, I'm considering Hideki at, at tier two. Um, Fitzpatrick, if if we get a good read on the win, um, the Tony Finau uh, angle is also pretty decent. Even though I have concerns that he he can't finish. Um, and then of course I like Terrell Hatton. Um, he'll probably be in there too. And then. Uh, my long shot will, will more than likely be Wallace for sure because I, I like him as well. But I'm I'm really thinking that somebody within this 28 to to 50 range is going to get us a win uh, this week. And if it's not one of them, then it will be Brooks or Rory or John. <laughs> <laughs> right. If it's not one of those guys, it's going to be yeah. one of those two favorites. If it's not a Tiger, favorite, yeah. If it's not a favorite. 
and, and I'm not thinking I'm I don't expect to see all three of those guys at the top of the leaderboard. But like last last week, we saw Justin Thomas kind of poke his head through and then and then separate himself. I think it'll be one of those situations where they're not going to start out just burning the course up, but they're going to be close enough that when round four comes around, you're not going to be shocked to see them really make a move if the person up front doesn't know how to close the show. Let me say one thing, because we didn't really talk get too in-depth about JT. He did just win. Yeah. But who did he have on the bag last week? I think he's going to be on the bag against this week. He's going to be on the bag against this week. He's got bones on the bag. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It just seems to really work well. They seem to be having fun out there together. They were joking. They were laughing. Um, he posted a thing, a little joke at Phil Mickelson today. I don't know if y'all saw that. He said me and Bones had a great time, but we had the most fun making fun of Phil for wearing those <laughs> stupid glasses all week. Um, so, you know, that, that's just one little little side note there. But JT is in really good form. We didn't really talk about him. He's always in really good form. That's just true. That's just true. <laughs> I say, other the than when silky. he was hurt, you know, two summers ago when we were talking about what's wrong with him. Yeah, he's silky. Uh, I'll let the guests go last. So, I've got, just like I have been doing every week uh, recently, I'm going to do uh, 12 total picks. It's um, 200 total dollars worth of bets. Uh, last week, thank God for Chaz Reeve and Phil Mickelson at plus 350, both hitting the top 20, uh, because when kept getting in the water on 18, there's another <laughs> week without a winner. That That's now, I think, like five weeks in a row for me, which sucks, but hopefully I'm going to get back here. I got Webb Simpson at 28 to 1. Patrick Reed at 45 to 1, Matthew Fitzpatrick at 45 to 1, Tommy Fleetwood at 45 to 1, Terrell Hatton at 50 to 1, and Shane Lowry at 70 to 1. There's $110 in total bets on those. 20 on the first five. I have 10 on Lowry. And then I have six picks all at $15. Uh, three top tens. Gary Woodland, a top 10 at 5 to 1. Adam Scott, the top 10 at 6 to 1. Paul Casey to top 10 at 9 to 1. And then for my top 20 plays, again, $15 a piece. Mark uh, Leishman at 3 to 1. Ian Poulter at 5 to 1. And Danny Willett at 6 to 1. Alan, I always give you a chance to tell me if any of my picks are stupid or good. <laughs> what do you think? Nah, man. I don't think any of your picks are stupid. I mean, you're closer to winning than I am. Uh, and I guess some people probably like, well, he doesn't do recaps. There's nothing to recap. I've been trashed. <laughs> um, but I, I have one. I have one. Some props. Um, God, let me let me make sure I get this guy's name right. Christian. Uh, who did I send you last week? <laughs> and I, and I'm telling you, it was just a it was just a legitimate research statistic. Oh, it's a South African. I know yeah, you're South talking African. about. Bezin Bezin who I don't even know, but. It was just a he checked all the boxes on my little research and I was like, well, he's at four to one in top twenty, so I'm gonna take him. And I think he almost cracked top ten, which was great. Uh, Chez, Chez, we've both followed at top twenty at plus three fifty. That was great. Um, I missed on Woodland at four to one top ten. I missed on uh, Simpson at four to one top five, which is unfortunate. Sung Jay had a terrible fourth round, um, knocked him out of the top twenty, so I missed we on didn't that. Talk about him. Do you like Sung Jay this week? No, I do not. Okay. I, I I gotta see he's gotta return to form, man. It's just it hasn't it hasn't clicked. Um so the layoff, it's like, you know, he played every week for like a year and a half and then taking the layoff is like got him screwed up. Yeah, it's been awful. Um and so yeah, I I um I've been doing okay with props, which is why I'm not completely on tilt. 
But at some point, like, we, we've got to crack through. The show will be on tilt yeah. if we don't win this week because we yeah. brag for months about, like, six out of seven, eight out of nine, yeah. and we are in a slump. <laughs> and and it's, it's still – golf is the type of sport, if you're gambling on it, it's perfectly fine to take your lumps uh, here and there. I mean, people following the podcast from day one, I, I lost for two months straight, and then we knocked off six in a row. So, I mean, you, you can get those streaks, and, and when you win, just appreciate it. Because it doesn't always come around. <laughs> All right, Scott, you're the guest. You're Mr. Former Two Off the Tee podcast. Who you got this week? All right, so I don't have the top five and top ten odds. In That's front all right. Of me, but uh, my top five or my top my top tw- uh, ten pick. Oh man, there's a lot of guys that that can come in here and do it. But I'm gonna save my boy Xander. I don't know. I'm sure he's low. He's a low odds guy for top. You probably 10. get three to one. On yeah, that. but I mean Xander, I, I really think he's gonna perform well. He's a California guy. He plays well and wins. He's one of the best ball strikers on tour. And then at the end of the day, he's Team Callaway. We all know that I'm a huge Callaway guy, and I love. Uh, everything about Xander. So he'd be my top 10. My top five is Tony Fiennell. And I'm not going, these aren't long shots. These are just, just me as a uh, golf pro and a golf fan. And just telling you what I think is going to happen. Uh, Tony Fiennell, I think he's going to come up just a little bit short this week. I think it's another one of those fields where he can out ball strike everybody. And he's going to have shorter clubs in his hand going into the greens. And to win, my long shot is obviously Wallace. Um, I, I think he, if he gets hot with his putter, and like you said, you don't have to be a fantastic putter at this golf course, but if he gets hot with putter, he can keep his ball fight low and under the wind. Um, I think he has a very, very good chance to top 20, top 10, top five, and actually be in contention for the win. Um, are we going? Are we circling back and doing a main winner? Or are we? No, you no. can go ahead. All right. It's happening. It's happening this week. The three-peat. He's pissed off about Sunday You're taking I am taking him. Take it to the house. Scott Porter is taking Brett Skepta, which is not a crazy pick at all. But I'm just saying I'm rooting for it. I'm here for it. I think he gets it done this week. And I think he finally shuts up everyone else. And he just proves yet again that he is the best major tournament golf player in the world and one of the best to ever play the game of golf. What do you think, Alan? I think it's going to suck if Roy actually wins because I'm such a Brooks fan. It's like (laughs) – it's like it's like being a Batman fan but rooting for Superman. Like that's just weird, man. Um, so I'm gonna blindly follow Scott because I just don't feel like I can betray Brooks. We're not there yet. So give me Brooks, three Pete, for him to drop the bomb on people and then also have some uh some some jokes on Bryson along the way, which I just love that he bullies Bryson. I don't I know if you guys saw it. I don't know if you guys saw the little thing he did with the ant. He was like, Oh, there's an ant on my ball. Everybody, and everybody started laughing. He's like, I'm joking. He's like, it's a fire. <laughs> it was, it's, it's just little stuff like that that just makes me like him because I'm just, Bryce is such a dweeb, man. It's like <laughs> you let another adult just pick on you like that. God, that's embarrassing. But either way, yeah, I will, I will say uh, if I'm gonna pick blindly, give me Brooks too. All right, so I took Kepka last year and he did win. I, I can't do it again this year. <laughs> Uh, you, you look at the list. It's been 1940 since somebody won three majors in a row. Guys like Faldo, Nicholas, Tiger, Kepka have had opportunities to do it and couldn't. I do like him this week. I think he'll definitely be in contention. He was one of my picks. I'm taking Webb Simpson to win the entire thing. He's been arguably playing the most consistent golf of anybody on tour. And we talked about the stats. It was scrambling, shots uh, gained, tee to green, 
par four, total driving. Webb Simpson is number one on tour on par fours, number 19 in scrambling, number 11 in shots uh, gained tee to green, and in total driving, he's 36. That's pretty freaking good for the four categories. I think this is a perfect venue for Webb. He's won a major before. He's overdue to win another one. I think Webb Simpson wins on Sunday. Real quick, last thought. Did y'all actually hear what Bryson said about living to be 130 or 140? Yes. I know. Did I you mean, see JT tweet? Yes. He was like, what the hell Tell are you Alan talking about? Alan, have you heard this? I, I heard him say something about he wanted to advance humans or something weird like that. I bet <laughs> he said he said with advanced technology and medicine that he thinks it's actually possible that humans in our lifetime can expand their lifespan to 130, and he wants to live to be 130 or 140 years old. The dude is a Looney Tune out there playing golf. He's a cartoon character. That, and I, I honestly, like you said, Alan, about the whole Brooks thing, there couldn't be two different people. Brooks is an athlete out playing golf. Homie is a scientist that has weird – I mean, he's the Kyrie. Does the, the PGA, PGA have the balls to pair him this week? Oh, 100%. I don't think so. I think they do. I hope so, but I don't think they will because they both – I think they really genuinely dislike each other. you got to remember, this is the Golfers Association. True. That, that takes some stones to take two of the biggest names in the game. We don't like each other. We're throwing you together. True. Have fun. True. But I hope they do. That would be great. What do you think, Alan? Them. You think they're going to do it? Yeah, I think they, they don't have a problem with doing it. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, it will be must-see TV. It will be the best since uh, – I think it was a PGA where they uh, paired Tiger, Phil, and Adam Scott, and that was kind of right around the time that Tiger and Phil's rivalry was at its highest because Phil had won the Masters. It was like 06 or 07, uh, but um, it would be great. Is there any other storylines we didn't touch that you guys want to talk about? Uh, I was just going to point out that you were talking about how long it's been since somebody three-peated, and, and you still pick Tiger Woods every time he's on the list. He's won 15 majors, dude. Yeah, but wasn't the last time he won a major when the weather was under 70 degrees? I didn't take him. Okay, I'm just saying. Just <laughs> Aren't you proud of me? He wasn't even a prop bet. I almost made him my top five play and was going to have a bonus pick. <laughs> you're going to text, text, text me before Thursday and be like, man, I should have took Tiger. <laughs> oh, I will be texting you Thursday morning when he pars the first hole going, damn it, I knew I should have taken Tiger. So the only thing – the only thing I'll say about the whole nobody's done it since 1940, when is the last chance that someone had it had the opportunity in back-to-back years? He learned from it. He's got to do it. Brooks Kepka is going to win the 2020 PGA Championship. I really think Tiger did because he won. What? Not not more recently than Brooks just did. No, but I'm saying you said in back-to-back years. I think he did. He won in 04, 05, and 06, 07, the same major. Because he won the PGA in 06, 07, and the Open Championship in 04, or 05, 06. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm with you. But, I mean, even so, it's... Tiger it's, facts. Tiger facts suck. And I do want to apologize for my voice. This is like the fifth podcast I've done this <laughs> week, and I'm having to talk at work a lot. I know I sound awful. Sound like uh, you just smoked 10, 12, that's what 12 I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I wish it was 12 blunts. Uh, so, but, Alan, do you want to plug anything before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, uh, well, we're going to do the NBA podcast right after this. So, you know, if people are interested, just listen Damn to right, NBA analysis and oh, stuff. Yeah. Um, it's not geared towards gambling per se, but um, I'm sure we'll end up getting there. You can learn stuff for gambling yeah. with it. We'll end up doubt. getting there at some point. Um, and then – What um, teams impressed you the most? Real quick, let's give a little – What teams impressed me the most with the, yeah. with the NBA so far? Yep. Uh, the resiliency of the Houston Rockets, I, I hate them to death, but I mean, hey, I see, I see, I see chemistry there that I didn't see uh, 
prior to uh, the COVID lockdown. They've got a little bit different energy than I've seen them, uh, than I've seen other teams have, where I feel like they're taking it more serious, at least these early parts. Now, if they can sustain that during the playoffs, they might actually um, be a scary. Player. Yeah, right? they might actually be a player. And it's not necessarily because of, of Harden and Westbrook, but just the fact that, like, everybody's really playing with some effort and energy, including Harden and on the defensive end as well. Scott, you got anything you want to plug? Man, I'm just happy all these sports are back. And I pray to God that people in the South wear a mask so I can watch LSU defend their championship and go back to back. Uh, we it need college football. Bro. It ain't happening. Well, you know, man can dream. But if not, we'll just be uh, we'll just be two time. That's what I was gonna say. Like, that's, that's a nice. I get, I get two years to brag on. All that's what boys. Shane Lowry's saying right now. He's like, I ain't got to defend my open championship. I'll be the open champion next year. Dude, too. Shane, Shane Lowry is like twelve pints deep every night, just still celebrating. <laughs> yeah. Uh, doesn't he get to do that? Doesn't he get to celebrate again? <laughs> well, he gets to keep it for sure. I mean, they literally get to keep uh, keep the claret jug up until I think it's like the week or two before the tournament. So, I mean, he is technically the open champion for 2020 because they didn't have one. 2019 and 2020. That jug has seen more beer and gone through every pub in Ireland probably three times. And he's now. probably at least told Rory to suck it two or three times. At least. <laughs> uh, other than that, we just uh, – be sure to follow the IB Podcast Network. You can hear uh, the Team Turnbuckle Podcast with myself and Ron Tinsley. We've also brought Sam Howe into the uh, picture, who is one of the funniest dudes uh, I've <laughs> ever met. Um, and other than that, if you are not a member of the IB Facebook group, join it. Please send an invite. We'll accept you. And we will see you guys soon. Have fun on the uh, NBA show. Uh, Alan, don't take right. it too hard on Corey. Yeah. And Scott, appreciate you coming on and doing this. Peace. All right, man. See you.